0: Welcome to the show, everyone. It is your host, Matt Labrie. You are rocking with us on an all-new episode of the Decoding Success Podcast, and we have an amazing, an amazing, amazing guest joining us today, and I am so glad that you're rocking with us today because we're able to amplify this message to you. And on that note, I want to make sure that you're doing your due diligence and sharing the goodness, sharing the value in this episode with the people in your circle. So make sure that you're clicking that share button, shooting it in a text, a group chat, your coworker your friends, your family, your loved ones, your significant others, your staff, your employees, everyone in between, your mentees, your mentors, listen, make sure you share this, especially in the rocky times that we're in in this world, both from a health perspective and a justice perspective and equality perspectives everything in between seriously share the positivity there's a whole lot of it in this episode because today we are joined by dr nicole Lapera, holistic psychologist who believes that mental wellness is for everyone she evolves her more traditional training from cornell university and the new school to one that acknowledges the connection between the mind and body now nicole views mental and physical struggles from a whole person perspective and works to identify the underlying physical and emotional causes. She understands that balance is an integral part of wellness and empowers individuals to heal themselves, which we talk about on this episode, supporting them on their wellness journeys and you can see how she can support you as well. Now, Nicole founded the Mindful Healing Center in Center City, Philadelphia. She recently expanded her work online, creating a platform for teaching these often overlooked components of mental wellness to individuals and practitioners around the world. Today, she's bringing all of that here to decoding success, we're diving into a slew of topics, which could, like I said, could have gone on for a lot longer than it did, but I needed to respect everyone's time. So this also wouldn't be possible without our partners over at Acadium. We are in an era or a time where remote work is going to boom. Clearly, if you're in corporate or, hey, even if you're an entrepreneur, you are working from home right now. Of course, I know some states and even some countries are opening back up, but remote work is going to start taking over now if you're looking to add a remote worker to your team specifically someone that is going to help you with your marketing in your business or for your projects Acadium our partners over at Acadium are helping you do just that again they are remote marketing interns it is an effective and affordable program that I personally use at my agency 1B branding here in New York City I absolutely love it otherwise I wouldn't have partnered with them I wouldn't be amplifying it to all of you right now so I want to make sure that you're checking them out. All you have to do is head over to the show notes of this episode. You don't even need to stop listening to this. Just scroll up, go to the show notes, click the link, check it out, continue getting the value from this episode while you do so. And now without further ado, we bring to you our friend, Dr. Nicole LaPera. Dr. Nicole, I will refer to you that out of the gate. I do want to say thank you for taking the time out of your day to join us here on Decoding Success. Really excited to have you. So thank you for being here.
1: Of course, Matt, truly honored and excited to connect with you and your community.
0: Awesome. So we kick this show off with the same question. Nothing's going to change here. I need to know, how do you personally define success?
1: Oh, interesting. Um, I think for me, and this really is emblematic of my whole healing journey in a lot of ways, success for me is choice, empowering choice. When we become an empowered human where we get to make our own choices, and those listener, some listeners out there might be thinking this is easy. What do you mean? We always choose. Um, I'm of the belief that there are many choices that we are not making consciously. So success is granting access and empowering ourselves to make choices for ourselves in whatever area of life applies.
0: So what are those choices that you refer to as, you know, us not making them consciously? Just to get deeper on that a little bit.
1: Yeah, absolutely. There's a part of our our mind. um, So the physical organ, the brain, the mind, all the mental faculties that run us um, being human on a day-to-day basis. We now know that the very substantial part of our mind is called the subconscious. And I don't know if anyone's heard about it, read about it. It's, I'm going to use the term autopilot. It's our autopilot that we now know governs our daily behaviors, our thoughts, our feelings uh, upwards of 95% of the time. So when we are unconscious, that is what it, which is determining or making our choices for us, our subconscious, not really our conscious, um, which is what is important to cultivate in terms of choice.
0: Sure. So is being on how, well, let me restart that. I mean, I know I'm on autopilot a hell of a lot of times, right? Uh, I listen, I'm born and raised in New York, 27 years. I'm like this daily. So how bad is being on autopilot? Like, I mean, sure. I do take time out of my day personally to kind of just unwind, whether that means laying in bed, meditating, deep breathing, or Hey, playing call of duty. Right. Um, You know, like how bad is it? Or maybe it's not bad to be on autopilot.
1: Autopilot isn't bad um, necessarily. It's necessary. If we had to think how to be human every day, if we had to wake up and remind ourselves how to you know, behave, all of this patterning, how to think, we would be completely overwhelmed. So I say that to say it's necessary. The issue becomes I'm going to use the computer analogy just because so I think we can all understand that. What are those programs? What is running? Our autopilot. And it becomes problematic, our autopilot, that is, when the conditioning, right, the patterns that we learned, most of us very early on, namely in our childhood, aren't serving us as an adult. So it becomes, you know, problematic. I don't like using the word good to bad, but it becomes problematic to the extent that as we grow, as we age, as we get mature, as we have available to us many more choices, we come to find we don't make those. And the word I heard most frequently in my Past private practice when I was operating as a therapist, which I no longer am, um, and I felt this in my own personal life, which is why I came to these awarenesses was stuck because we mm. gain insight awareness, we have all of these tools now to do better or differently even, yet we are still running in that autopilot. So that's when it becomes the word I would use, Matt, is problematic, um, and that's when we become for a lot of us, we feel powerless. We feel very reactive and we can feel frustrated. And some of us take that frustration into this shame. We feel shameful. We feel broken. Why can't I change is really a rally cry that inspired this work.
0: That's so interesting. Very, very interesting. And you use a word that kind of just piqued my interest and you may have gave me the answer, but I'm going to ask it anyway here. You use the word reactive, right? So how do you go from being reactive in life to proactive in a sense?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and reactivity, I believe, is is the, the natural byproduct of you know living in this conditioned way, not cultivating consciousness and choice. Right. Because really right. understandably, we do. We feel a victim to everything happening around us because we are. We don't have that moment of choice yet. So what we have to do is cultivate it. We have to practice now consciousness, practice observing ourselves in our patterns. That's where it starts. Because some of us are very surprised when we actually truly see. How habitual we are. And when I say habitual, Matt, I don't just mean, what are we doing? Like those habits that you very much outline. Oh, the first thing I do when I wake up, the last thing I do before bed, how do I spend my leisure time? I mean that. And I mean, what is the endless dialogue that my mind that I'm telling myself in my mind all day long? We are thinking thoughts all day. If you tune into those thoughts, we come to find that we're very patterned in that way as well. We tell ourselves the same story or narratives about ourselves, about our relationships, about our place in the world, about the future, about the world in general. All day long so to create choice we need to observe ourselves see all of this patterning and then to move from that reactivity we need to cultivate that space where I can see this patterning happening and I can cultivate right the ability to make a new choice to snap out of that autopilot and to use my conscious mind to pick a new option where and when it's appropriate and it applies
0: Right. I love this. Listen, I could ask a million and one questions, but I want to backtrack a little just to connect the dots here. Clearly, we know where you're at right now, but I want to know who was Nicole in high school? Like, What was your upbringing like? What were you doing in high school? What was your dream back then? How were you defining success back then?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So in high school, I I embodied that reactivity um, in something which I talk a lot about. I think a lot of us struggle with this in a fight or flight. I was very much locked in a fight or flight response. So what do I mean when I say that? Before high school, as long as I can remember, Matt, I was someone, I was a human who very much was anxious. I was a nervous little kid. I was afraid of bad things happening in the world. Um, That was really the climate of my household. There was a lot of anxiety. Um, A family mantra was always something, which meant anything from a small fire to a big fire. We always felt like we were under stress as a family. That was really, I embodied that. I felt that. I lived that. What happened was I became very much, you know, kind of primed and and, and constantly stressed. So a decade ago, that's who you would have met. You would have met a very anxious human um, who believed that anxiety was my birthright in a sense, right? Because here my family is having the same experience. I believe I was stuck in that way. I was also a really detached human in ways that I wouldn't have imagined. Um, To protect myself and deal with these overwhelming feelings, I was really disconnected from myself. Outwardly, you would have never known. I was a high performer athletically and academically. So I was succeeding in a lot of the ways. So I like to talk about that because from the outside, and I actually had family members observe this to me a lot. Oh, Nicole, you look like nothing's wrong. And in many ways from the outside, I was, you know, in the context of your and my conversation right now, I was checking a lot of boxes of success. I was in high achieving schools. I went to an Ivy League university for undergrad, right? I was very, I played division one softball, right? So I was succeeding. I, at that time, I probably would have attested that that's what success was. You know, I was checking all the boxes as we traditionally think one does when one is successful. But Mm -hmm. I share the the personal side of things because I wasn't feeling, I wasn't embodying that success. I wasn't happy. I wasn't feeling fulfilled, not in those professional or personal achievements and not in my relationships. And I was quite honestly a nerves wreck all the time.
0: Right. So what are the signs of someone that performs at a high level as you clearly were, but yet you were still experiencing that anxiety and things of that nature? Right. Because I I think I might have seen it on your Instagram or someone sent it to me recently. Like, um, having anxiety there, there are ways you still perform at high levels. So like, what were the signs that you saw in your life?
1: Yeah. So, I I mean, outwardly, like I said, I looked like I I had it all together. Performing at a high level, I think I'm understanding what the question is, isn't, again, necessarily problematic, for lack lack of a better word, right? What we can begin to explore and the questions we want to ask ourselves to determine if you're someone like myself, I was using my performance as a channel in many ways. So, Mm -hmm. on the first way, that was a way I could... I, so the, my to do list, which started in childhood, right, my homework, that test, right, all of the things that we can busy ourselves with, for me that became a channel for my attention, right? Oh, this next this next assignment I have to do, I put my attention on that, so that removes my focus from the underlying anxiety that I was experiencing, right? So it became a channel for my attention. It also, for me, became a way that I got to feel good about myself as a human. So coming from another theme in my family was we all are very emotionally, um, we are not not emotionally connected as a family. We don't know how to be because we are locked in that stress response at fight or flight. All of this is interconnected. However, what this translated to me for was I learned at a very young age that my parents loved me and connected with me by praising me at my report card or by cheering me on the side of the softball field, right? That this is how I felt good. In my home. So for me, channeling my anxiety and performing had that, by, that positive byproduct of I got to go home and get told how good I was, which felt good to me, right? Again, on the surface, not a problem. However, when I began to really understand and explore myself, I noticed a couple things without that focus of attention, right? When, when times, when we're on vacation, shit, when we're living now in COVID and we don't have the things to do, what a lot of us, if you're like me, will experience is a lot of discomfort because the second we stop or we sit still, as we say, and we don't have that place to put our attention. I became overwhelmed again by all of the feelings that I wasn't, I didn't have any other way to deal with them. A, B. I came to realize that outside of, you know, my a or my trophy, I didn't really feel good about the whole of myself. And I came to realize that there was a whole other aspect of me outside of how I did on tests or on the softball field. Right. So when I explored myself, I came to the conclusion that right, this channel for me of performance had some consequences. Um, It prevented me from feeling full and whole and good enough outside of performance. And it left me uh, incapacitated in a lot of ways with how to deal with hard feelings when I wasn't performing, if that
0: makes sense. No, it definitely does. So When were you or when did you start embodying this self-awareness, right? Was it, um, post college after you were, you know, you educated yourself on on this topic or was it like in the process of it all?
1: Yeah. So absolutely not. I mean, so, I mean, I would have, I consider myself someone who was studying people. So I should acknowledge that, um, as long as I can remember, I was fascinated by people by why they do what they do. So being the psychologist was really an intuitive, what I'm going to be when I grow up for me. Um, so, was very much you know aware, fascinated, studying, if you will, people. I would imagine by extension myself. However, I, I obviously I went into training program. I mean, I did eight odd, some odd years to get my clinical, my PhD in clinical psychology. So, I learned all about this. It wasn't until I found myself stuck right alongside of all the clients that I was seeing at this point, having had, I I set up a private practice. I, you know, was very successful in it. I had a full roster and I saw clients week after week, you know, now I'm years into it and i started to notice patterning um that was very similar a lot of stuckness like i was describing earlier and i started to really struggle myself through what i call and understand now to be a dark night of the soul essentially the consequences of living as i was living in that conditioned way came crashing down with i was starting to have physical symptoms i started to faint i started to forget words mid sentence like cognitively i started yeah. to see some evidence of stress for lack of a better word emotionally, right, this lifetime of being so disconnected from myself was starting to take a toll. I was miserable. I never felt so low and so hopeless in my life. And spiritually, I mean, I believe we're spiritual beings. I mean, talk about disconnection. that self, right? I left very early on to protect everything I was feeling. So spiritually, I was completely devoid and so disconnected from myself that it really took me going into that low, um, at which time, in in order to kind of find my way out i discovered honestly that a whole wealth of information of science of of new data out there in the field that was that was not necessarily in the field of psychology but that was in you know we were starting to understand epigenetics and just new ways of being So it took me beginning my own healing journey before I was really able to come to this level of consciousness and awareness. So it was a very long time coming. um, But like I said, what I was seeing was very much mirrored in myself, in my clients. And then when I went online, the same sort of trajectory, right? I'm stuck. I don't know why, what's going on. Why can't I shift? Why can't I change? Before we even get to a conversation of success, with a lot of the people in my community we're just trying to tread water and i found right. that problematic i think that there's humans are capable of so much more um obviously my own healing and empowering others to heal in this way is now beyond my passion um but i think that we were really you know we are in a lot of ways not able to even step into our potential
0: that's so interesting so just a random thought or question that came to mind. Like, you know, you mentioned that you had like a whole roster of clients at the time you had your private practice and obviously you're working with a lot of individuals now. Do you ever feel like your work gets quote unquote taken home with you? You know, like from and. Hey, maybe you don't even have to answer this, but I'm just really curious because my significant other is a nurse and I feel like she's in the operating room all the time and she sees some crazy stuff going down, you know, and like you just mentioned COVID, right? Um, I I don't know what it was like on the inside of a hospital. So I'm just like really curious if you feel like that has any play in your day-to-day life, even to today.
1: Yeah, in in historically, so just to clarify, I don't see I don't see individuals now. Um, I very much work much more as in the context of a teacher. I'm a virtual online community, so structurally right. my life is different. But historically, when I was in that practice, you know, clocking a full caseload, um, it's interesting because yes, I mean the the simple answer is yes. Of course, the work comes home with you. For me, it came home with me in my patterning. And what I mean by that is, by the time I got home, I was one of two things. <laughs> I was emotionally depleted. Sometimes I didn't even realize how much I was emotionally depleted because I didn't have a point of contrast. I felt pretty much tired and crappy all the time. So tired and crappy Monday through Friday, you know, when I was seeing clients really mirrored more or less tired and crappy on the weekends, just slightly different. So didn't right. feel too much different. And by the time I got home, I had already started engaging in all of those protective things I do to take care of myself when I'm feeling overwhelmed, which is to disconnect, to detach, to feel irritable. So yes, what I was bringing home with me also to my partner, right? Was this, this version of myself that was in that overwhelmed state that I was used to, but it didn't feel so overwhelming because I was also used to dealing with it. However, the way I dealt with it. I would become, you know, detached. I wasn't fully present to my partner. I was irritable. Little things would, you know, that the straw that broke the camel's back, you know, she did or said one little thing that and any, you know, if I had all of my resources available to me, I wouldn't have reacted. I was very reactive. There's that word again, right? So right. yeah, so that's what I would bring home with me is all of that conditioning, right? This overwhelming stress and all of these ways that I learned to take care of It, it doesn't mean though that they were helpful ways. So life now is, is, is different. Um, I don't work individually with people, uh, though there is, there are different ways now that work comes home with me, you know, being Instagram presence, being, you know, Mm -hmm. there are a lot of challenges, you know, just kind of in the structure of the work, the business, and also the reality that I'm still a healing individual, you know, bringing my unique wounds and challenges into the work as well. So it looks different, I think it's inevitable. I think to answer your question, a lot of us are bringing quote unquote work home with us in many different ways. Some of us outside of our awareness, which is why like we were talking earlier, it is so important to develop that awareness, that consciousness, that ability to truly as uncomfortable as some of these truths might be, see ourselves.
0: Right, right. So what piqued your desire to put yourself out there on social media? You just mentioned Instagram, right? And you've been able to foster an amazing community over 2 million, just on Instagram alone, like that is massive. And people engage with your content like no other. You know, like I can just scroll through your Instagram and see comments on top of comments, like such relatable content nonetheless. So, like, what made you or like came over you, compelled you to start putting yourself out there in that way?
1: Yeah. So, two, two really major intentions. So, once I did some healing work and I was feeling like I was on a much more stable, grounded place, you know, I was clarifying, you know, kind of this new theory, if you will, of holistic psychology and the need to unify. And, my two intentions, obviously, all the while social media is existing in the world, I really wasn't a participant in it in my past practice. I, it was there. I didn't really harness it, but I saw people harnessing it, and I got inspired. So two main intentions brought me on. The first intention was I had a, I had an idea, you know, and I saw, I know how the field operates. I came through the same training programs that many people came through. I also know, right, how many clients out there, just from the sheer number that I worked with, that we're not feeling as impacted, right? That we're feeling that stuckness again. So my first intention was I wanted to start to offer, you know, what I believed was the way out, right? Was tools, was a new theory of the whole holistic human, right, and to get that message out there so that it could possibly get into the hands of even just one. I had no expectation that for what this would turn into. For me, because I, I had shifted right from that, you asked me earlier, from that reactive, from that disempowered, from that person who had no choice, I was a living embodiment now of the change that could happen. And I wanted to provide the opportunity for other people to use or to be familiar, to educate themselves with this new information, because I knew it wasn't getting out there. So that was my one intention, to create a movement, if you will, with no idea what that would look like in the direction right. that I believed was necessary for humans and also for the field. My second intention was to connect with other people who were like-minded, who thought the same. I was nervous. I wasn't sure how many other people and or practitioners, my peers would be in alignment with me. And I was overwhelmingly surprised that there were so many, that there was practitioners all over the world that were similarly feeling stuck in their personal lives and their practices. Um, but for me, it was connecting. It was finding those connections. Um, I was starting to feel the impact of, of, changing my life in all these new ways, which for a lot of us who do that is loneliness, is not feeling like people truly get us. So my other intention was to find that community and to create that community of understanding and of mutual healing, which is the self healers movement that I'm so Mm -hmm. impassioned about.
0: Right. I love that. Now, I mean, both of those intentions take courage though. Right. And you mentioned the word idea. So, you know, a lot of people just stop at the idea, but you didn't. So like, what is your advice to someone that's listening to this right now to just go for it? Like you did. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So first statement, not advice is it's hard. It is so hard to put make yourself vulnerable and to expose yourself in this way. Even if it's a conceptual idea, most of us are quite attached to it, you know, like it's it's ours, we believe in it. Um, so anyone who's even considering, uh, putting an idea out there, a thought, a new business, whatever it is, I commend you. And I am going to attest that it isn't going to be easy. There's going to be many moments of doubt and of vulnerability, you know, when you birth this idea and especially if you put it out into the context of others viewing it like social media, right? So there's vulnerability that's inevitable. It doesn't mean it's a bad idea. It doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. And I say this because a lot of times, and this is why this prevents us from changing, from stuck, a lot of times when we do something new, or no, let me put this away. all the time when we do something new, we feel some degree of discomfort from the simplest fact of that it's new. It's not what we're used to feeling or doing, right? So a lot of us, though, the reason why I acknowledge that this is normal, you're going to feel vulnerable and it's going to be scary Some of us will take that discomfort to mean or to, we we erroneously moniker it or name it our intuition. I'm the biggest believer in intuition. I try to live by my guidance of one. I assure you though, this is not what intuition is, right? So we need to differentiate. So scary, vulnerable, uncomfortable. Doesn't mean you're moving in the wrong direction, right? Walking through that discomfort. Second set suggestion, and I and I work as a even now daily to remind myself of this is just staying in alignment with yourself and your message, right? Because the second you put an idea out there, a message out there, you're now going to open yourself up to the peanut gallery of what everyone else thinks and feels about your particular message and your idea. I'm a biggest proponent of taking an outside feedback. I think it offers us availability to view our blind spots. However, not everyone's opinions are really about us or are helpful, right? So we really need to, to, to develop for ourselves, right? That capacity to be able to evaluate, right? What is helpful feedback or constructive, even if I hate hearing it, right? And what, what, what am I hearing? That's really not about me. That's maybe this person and their own, Feelings, right? Because once we open ourselves up and we expose our ideas, we're going to be met with. Other people's opinions back. So, developing that trust in yourself, staying in alignment with your message. What, what I mean by when I say alignment is if I were to hear everyone's feedback and change my message every time, right, then whose message is this? You know, right. so really being trusting and securing in ourselves that's the internal piece so that we can create that space here, take on feedback when it's applicable. And I know it still is applicable in many contexts for me. I am unable to see certain aspects of myself, but also sitting confidently and knowing that if you continue in alignment with your message, while it likely is not going to be for everyone, you will find the people that also rest in alignment with that.
0: I love that. So let me ask you, how do you know or who do you know to take your feedback from, right? Because I've heard many people say, well, you, you only take feedback from people with skin in the game. You only take uh, feedback from people that have been there, done that. And, you know, as you mentioned, people could be projecting their own insecurities or how they feel about themselves upon you or whomever, right? So I'm curious, like, um, who are you taking feedback from?
1: that's i mean i don't i love those kind of yes someone who can relate can be helpful right so skin in the game i have skin in the game you have skin in the game these are the areas that we can relate that can be incredibly helpful someone who gets it it can also be really helpful though in my opinion to get feedback from someone who isn't in the game from an actually objective person's perspective right Mm -hmm. because once i've done something i'm subjective i'm probably not going to tell you through some lens of how I perceived it, what worked for me, et cetera. So sometimes there's value or I can make a case that there's value in taking feedback from anyone. It's not the whom that I work on. It's that gate. It's I can hear something, try it on for size, as I call it, right? Test it, see, ask myself, do I believe this about myself? Observe myself. Can I see a scenario where I am behaving in this way? And then I am the person who gets to decide whether or not that resonates or not. So I think my answer is a little less of doing the work on the front end to filter. Um, it's a little more of, it's okay to let it all in or to, to view it, right? To observe upon it from many different people that could actually be helpful. What is most important though is what happens next, right? And do you right. have that level of confidence? Can you try it on for size in a way that will allow you to take and incorporate or integrate the pieces of feedback that while uncomfortable might be helpful and valid? And can you then, you know, kind of step beyond the rest and still be comfortable and confident in yourself?
0: Right, right. Now, Nicole, what's a question you wish more people would ask you? The only reason I'm bringing that up is because I know you do podcasts. I'm sure, you know, you're getting DMs and emails and all of that stuff. So I'm just curious, like, what is the ideal question you wish people would ask you?
1: That's such an interesting question, Matt. I, um, I have no idea. I've gotten asked a lot, a lot of questions. Um, it's funny. I, I, that's a really good question. I'm at a loss. I don't know. I've been asked many questions, so I can't, I can't locate, locate one. I appreciate okay. you asking. If someone Focus. comes to mind though, I will, because I mean, obviously I think a human tendency, right. is to ask me what I think about something that maybe other people are thinking otherwise. However, I don't, that's my ego talking. I don't, that to me is problematic sometimes because I I don't like to get into an argument about whose reality is true. Um, I try so hard in my practice to empower us all to do what I just said, sift through things that are happening to find our own reality. Um, So that's why I answered that first question, right? What do I do? It's not letting people out of my reality. It's about how do I sit securely In my reality. And sometimes I feel like when we go head to head and try and battle and argue, who's right is a lot of the word that we like to, you know, kind of argue toward I'm right, you're wrong. Um, I think that can be really damaging because I think a lot of us and I talk a lot about this, you know, kind of our past experiences, a lot of us have been um, lived through past experiences where we haven't had our reality validate it um so i actually find it quite problematic um to do that so any question you know it's like it's it's hard because it's like what what question i like people to ask me how i perceive things though i also don't because i know that i'm only one um idea one mindset and like i said my work is really about empowering people to find their own find their own beliefs and and maybe lose some of the older ones that
0: aren't helpful anymore Right. So let me try to reverse engineer that question a little bit. Like what is the question that you wish you would ask more, you know, like maybe of yourself or, you know, in in regards to like maybe your self-healing process or your self-awareness or maybe even ask a mentor.
1: Yeah. I think the thing that I come up against in myself most often is understanding the difference between now reality, if you will, and past reality, if you will because I know that a lot of us are filtering our current reality through the lens of the past. So the work I constantly find myself up against internally, right. Is okay. This is happening right now in this moment, or is it, is there something deeper for me that's going on that's bringing to the surface, these feelings, um, because that's going to help me get clarity, you know, on what's, what's really happening and how I can navigate the current moment. Um, and so that is a question that I will endlessly ask myself um, for the entirety of my evolution here on this fine earth planet. Right. So I'm not, because I know that's the case. I know we can start to accumulate and use filters that are not helpful. So something I always urge, you know, community people in general and myself to do is really begin to explore what's going on at the depth that, you know, would be the most helpful because yes, it is about the current moment, right? Something happened now, that is allowing. That is, you know, resulting in a feeling, um, but it's not always as 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 simple as this thing in this moment. For a lot of us, it's this thing in this moment. It right, reminded me of had me feel like was similar to right something in the past. And the more right. we can get clarity on that, the more we can, as this all comes beautifully full circle, right? The more we can create that space for that new choice where we don't have to be dictated by the past and the past way that we perceived this and handled it. We can create space for the new. So that's a, a question that I ask myself on the regular um, to learn my way through losing or continue to kind of lose those older conditionings that no longer serve me and continue to create that space for new.
0: Right, right. I think that also intertwines with something that pops up a lot for me whenever I'm scrolling through your Instagram or something of that nature and maybe it just resonates with me on a high level but I always see like something along the lines of childhood trauma, right? Um and I guess I'm just going to leave it very open-ended here when I ask this question, but like, how much is that childhood upbringing like affecting people in today? I mean, I'm 27 years old, right? Um, How much is my childhood potentially impacting me right now in this moment? You know?
1: Yeah. Up to 95% of your day, if you're not conscious
0: to it. I mean, that's a
1: stark reality. That is where those programs developed. Um, We are born to this planet in a state of dependency We cannot meet our physical, our emotional, and our spiritual needs at all. So we start to learn how, right? We are open. We are actually primed. We are born with a brain wave patterning. It's called theta waves that allow us to be a sponge. Think of a baby, eyes wide open. Right. We can put it really simply, they're learning human. They're learning how to be a human, how to be in a human body, how to relate to other humans. They're in this complete learning mode, and our brain is primed for that from birth until around age seven. We are that open sponge. That's where the programs begin. So unless we're conscious, that's the programs our childhood is impacting us 95% of the day. The question is, to what end is it problematic? Are these mm-hmm. patterns that are helpful? are these some conditioned patterns that are not helpful? And then that becomes our work into adulthood. I think the biggest problem, especially in the context of our talk today in terms of uh, business and success, a lot of the programmings that are attached to how we feel about ourselves. Am I good? Am I successful? Am I productive? Am I not? Am I the opposite? Am I I someone who's lazy or undisciplined or or, or, or is this who I believe myself to be, is what I should say. A lot of times, right, those beliefs, again, most more often than not, formed in that early developmental stage. And that then follows us, especially when we're talking in terms of performance or business. So to answer your question, you know, in that way, how I feel about myself impacts my childhood, beliefs about myself, I should say, impacts my adult performance all of the time. Again, 95% of the time, unless I'm conscious of creating something new.
0: Right. I'm really curious, like, do you ever feel like being too self-aware is a thing. Meaning uh, I I kind of fell in this trap a few times. Like I felt like I was just like so self-aware of what was going on in my life and maybe I wasn't correcting it. And next thing you know, I'm sitting at my desk, my heart's racing. I'm like, Oh my God, I'm dying. Um, you know, and just like shit like that would go down. So do you find that to be true at all? Like, I'm curious from your situation.
1: Absolutely. I want to, I would want to clarify because I think a lot of times when I hear I'm too self-aware, what I actually think is being experienced and me as well, I'm in my head. I'm thinking Mm. my way through my day. Uh, because there's different, uh, not to confuse people, but there is, uh, getting lost in thought, you know, lost in the monkey mind, the thinking mind that I think is highly problematic. It's a lot of the time why, you know, it's why we're disconnected from our intuition. It's why we're living based on all of these condition patterns, because we're leading with our mind in a way that's not helpful. Um, so, you know, I think that's, that's very real. That's a very real part of it. Um, and that's, we're too much thinking. So a lot of times I think when we say, oh, I'm too self-aware, I think it's, we engaging too much in thought. That's different from observation, right? Observation is, oh, I see these things. I, I, oh, I saw this thought come into play. And then that thought went right. So observation is learning how to be, I'm going to use the word observer or the presence, the awareness that's behind all the things we do, all the thoughts we think. That's different than getting stuck in the thinking loop. Um, So a lot of times I think the answer then to your question is, yeah, I believe that humans are stuck in an epidemic of overthinking. I think it's primed through our school system. I think we'll reward it, and I think where a lot of us are looking for our intuition, like I was describing earlier, in our thinking mind, in our thoughts, and we're not gonna find it there. Our intuition lives in our bodies, in our in our physical senses, in our nervous system senses, that sixth sense that we actually have that is, is not a sense like seeing, hearing, right? It's just an energetic sense. That's where our intuition comes from. So the short of it is, all of us, in my opinion, are spending way too much time thinking or being too quote unquote self aware in that way, and not enough time in that observational way. Being aware, self aware, I can use that same word of my body, and it's physical sensations that are governing, you know, right. Those systems that are giving me information about my environment. In my opinion, no, we need to become more self-aware in that capacity. If that makes sense.
0: No, it definitely does. It definitely does. So what is your take or your opinion, your advice In regards to becoming more free-flowing, and we have a lot of business listeners, right? A lot of people that own businesses, a lot of people that are in corporate, maybe people that want to go from corporate to entrepreneurship. What is your advice to kind of detach from the thoughts? Because I could speak from my own personal example. When I first started my business, I was so analytical about everything. And what that led to me was going into depression, not like... Clinically diagnosed depression, but like I, I knew I had some pretty dark fucking days, you know And I actually uh-huh. just saw a stat this morning like entrepreneurs are three times more likely to abuse substances um, Ten times more likely to get into yeah. a whole bunch of shit that we don't want to get into right So how do you become more free-flowing especially in business where you need to be free-flowing in a way?
1: Yeah. First and foremost, you noticed how non-conscious right, you are. You begin with that self-observation. And I work, you know, when I used to work with clients now in my virtual membership, the one month we talked a lot about developing consciousness. So my suggestion was set an alarm on your phone for random times during the day. And when that alarm goes off, notice where your attention is, right? What are you paying attention to? Are you lost in your thoughts? If you are, what is the nature? Are you worrying about yesterday, what happened? This is We love to worry about the past. We also love to predict the future that we can, right? So where is my attention throughout the day? The more mm-hmm. you check in with yourself, the more you're probably going to notice that it is in your thinking mind. You are lost in thought. It's not in your body. Second step then would be to cultivate embodying yourself, bringing your attention from that thinking mind into your body. We can use our physical senses, right? Okay, what am I feeling in this moment? My back's against this this wall behind me. My feet are on the floor. Maybe I'm smelling something. Maybe lunch is happening in the lunchroom, right? Am I hearing a sound? Senses can help bring us back from our thinking mind into the present moment. And then this is the part that we all love to hate. We need to practice that on repeat, day in and day out until, right, we can consciously differentiate when we're conscious and when we're unconscious and when we when that muscle of attention right when i get to choose no my thoughts don't grab my attention i direct it right that consciousness that has made choice when i gain choice then i practice that on repeat and then i can be in that free-flowing state and then i can access right this is obviously over time this does not happen overnight right then i can be connected to that beautiful intuition and then i can begin to use that for
0: help in guiding my decisions. Super powerful, super, super powerful. So you mentioned your virtual membership. I want to make sure we hold space for that and we talk about that. Tell me about that because I know people are going to want to learn more about it, get into it, whatever they got to do. And I'll make sure that it's in the show notes too. But I'm curious, talk to me about that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So this is my passion project now for quite some time from, again, the beginning days when I was going through my dark night and healing, feeling really alone. You know, people out there, like I mentioned earlier, that go through a journey like this in a lot of ways, our relationships shift and change and we, we, we are lacking, right, those people. So at that time I was fantasizing about what it would have been like to already have had that community. You know, and I looked, I went online, I looked, I mean, is anyone doing work like this at speaking this language? Is there a place virtually where we can you know, kind of congregate? And the answer at that point, you know, two years ago, almost now, was no which again like I said was really a big a passion for me so it was let's create the community you know of self healers on Instagram um, with no expectation you know I had no idea you know how many healers would be out there that this resonated with. Of course, as time moved on quite quickly it was evident to me that the answer was overwhelmingly a lot. There's a lot of people that are speaking to this. So very soon, my capacity for doing this work one-on-one. Now, mind you, I shifted at this point. I was no longer working as a therapist. I was working at what I call a coach, a consultant. Um, This, in my opinion, is very action-based work. Um healing in this way. This also means that yeah, there's time and space for other people that are for seeing a therapist in addition, but at this point I knew I was embodying a different type of um, coach or a different type of practitioner. I wasn't the therapist and I wasn't gonna work like I used to. I was really about empowering people as a coach would. So I shifted the way I was thinking about the work and doing the work. But my my I mean my case, I, it, I, it got beyond the capacity for what I was able to to handle as one human, and I was really starting to know and harness the. I, I was drawn to the idea of community for a reason. There's an incredible amounts of research out there of how important community and connections with other humans are for us humans. So amplified by then that, it became the next logical step was, okay, how do I harness what I have going on, you know, individually here into a ver- and on Instagram as a global community into like a virtual community? community where we're doing the work. So that was kind of how I conceptualized it, it became my passion project. And we unrolled our first round of members that this past November, we just relaunched. So essentially what it is is a group of humans now all over the world, self healers, that are doing the work armed each month with a topic in healing, with exercises, daily exercises, journal prompts. Every month there's a workshop run by myself or by other experts in the field, and there are areas of expertise that come in. Um, there's question and answers. There's meditation. So lots of tools where people can go and self-direct and begin to do the work of healing in the context of a virtual community where we can also gain some
0: support and connections. That's so awesome. Is that on your website or where can people find it? So,
1: so right now it's closed. Um, probably it, it will reopen again in the fall, likely in October. Um, the Instagram is the main hub for all information. So anyone who goes to my Instagram, will see a link tree. Um, and one of the links there will be the self healer circle is what it is called. If you do give a search, it's um, an offshoot of my website, which is your holistic psychologist, but it's called the Self-Healer Circle. Um, So it's closed now. Enrollment will reopen and we'll continue to reopen it multiple times in the year.
0: I love that. That's so awesome. So, Nicole, I want to respect your time. I do have a couple more questions for you. Um, On the way out of every interview, we talk about these three things. The first one's a little cliche, I must say. I'm trying to find a a way to reword this, but I'm just really curious. Clearly, you're very experienced in life. And I mean, I could talk to you for the rest of the day if I had the opportunity to do so. Um, But what is the best piece of advice you feel like you received, whether that was through an experience or actually direct, indirect, etc.?
1: That's a really good question. Um, I think that one of the best pieces of advice you know that I ever receive is anyone who's ever kind of acknowledged and urged me you know to stay true to myself. So why mm-hmm. that's so empowerful for me, that alignment piece is because I know I'm like many of us who have learned a habit. Conditioned habit of showing up for others, you know, based on what we think others want of us, or what we imagine it would mean about us if we showed up in this way or didn't, right? And we're really, um, I think, doing ourselves a disservice where we're when we're not staying in alignment with ourselves. I know that was a big hit part of my own history of conditioning that I am still working to unpack and to and to learn how to move into that alignment. And along the way, you know, I had so many people who were urging toward that and. Supporting, you know, myself in my authenticity in a way that for me was so impactful because I was the human who was not honoring myself in that way, and I think in a lot of times healing occurs because someone else can help us. Um, So that was really impactful in that particular area. So it wasn't like a statement; Um, it was just all of the people who honored my voice, even if it wasn't they weren't in full agreement, but who allowed me to stand authentically in my voice was, I think, one of the most impactful, um, you know, kind of mentorship supporting moments across the board that many people actually have have and continue to offer me.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think That's kind of why I kick off the show with the question, like, how do you personally define success? Because going hand in hand with staying true to who you are, it's almost really tough in a way to do so because we're so influenced by what we see on social media, um, by who we're around, so on and so forth. So, you know, the fact that you're able to do so, I just want to make sure I'm commending you for that because it's super powerful. Thank you, of course, of course. So I'm going to re-engineer that question as well that I just asked you in regards to the best piece of advice you ever received. I'm going to ask you, what is a piece of advice that you've been given that you didn't want to hear at the time it was given to you, but ended up proving to be true over time?
1: Uh, Anything that had to do about me in the beginning, I didn't want to hear a thing. So interestingly, right, like I say, take it in, try it on. Um, not from strangers, from my loved ones. I struggled a lot in the beginning of my healing, um, where, you know, when partners in particular, you know, would point out aspects of, of what they see and how they experience me. I, I was a very, very defensive um, in the beginning of hearing, you know, the negative or the, my conditioning. I was really, really defended, especially on my parents. Um, that was really, really hard for me. So I worked to cultivate that ability. You know, to take in the difficult pieces um, you know, of information. So again, not not a one thing, but I know this came a lot up a lot, especially my personal, you know, relationships as I was growing and you know evolving along the way, I got to hear a lot of things about myself that you know weren't the most comfortable. And a lot of times I was really defensive. I didn't want to hear it. Over time I was able to I think relax into And try on for size and came to the reality and awareness that, okay, these things did have some version of truth that I could integrate and learn from. Um, but in the beginning, I would say that like a lot of us, it's really hard to hear, even from best intentioned loved ones that, you know, on the one hand, you know, we're trying to help, you know, we don't necessarily like to be what we feel is called out or attacked in that way. Right. And I'm human, just like anyone else. So, you know, there was many moments, especially in the beginning where I've had to cultivate, you know, the ability to hear the things, to stand in the things, to try on the things, and then to know in in peace release the things that don't don't apply
0: right I appreciate your transparency there too because like we need to hear this right from someone that has or is going through the healing process like we all need to hear that so I appreciate your transparency on that front and last question for you and this might be a tough one um, because you give us so much advice already but if you were hopping on podcasts like you are you're um, coming out with a book soon in the near future nonetheless like hopping on stages too. I'm sure potentially if you could only give one piece of advice for the rest of your life, what would it be? Uh,
1: Consciousness, you know, really learning how to create a conscious life. That's it. And whatever that means for you, whatever choices you make in that consciousness, you know, my, my piece of advice is, is so much change, fulfillment, it all begins there. And it all, for many of us, our lack of consciousness is the reason why we struggle, why we feel disconnected from ourselves, from other humanity, why we are living patterns that, you know, aren't serving us. Uh, I can't say that word enough. Uh, so when you, I, I always get that in as, like one of my because that's where empowerment lives. Um, so that that is what this is about. It's creating that choice. It's creating that consciousness, and then we can become a creator of our future, whatever that means for us. Yeah.
0: Right. I love that. I love that. Nicole, I need to say thank you again, express my gratitude towards you for hopping on here, having a great conversation. Nonetheless, I'm going to make sure that all of your social handles, all that good stuff website is in the show notes so people can connect. I know you hang out on the gram the most and I'm going to make sure that we're driving people there. So again, I just want to say thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you for taking the time. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, from our friend, Dr. Nicole. Now, all of her social handles, her website, all of that good stuff can be found in the show notes of this episode. I highly, highly, highly Suggest you check out her content. Make sure you're following her on the gram. She's posting such relatable content daily nonetheless. So make sure you are heading over there. Check her out. Make sure you're sharing this episode too. As mentioned way, way, way in the beginning of this talk. Make sure you're sharing this because there is a lot of stuff going on in this world. And you can shine a lot of positivity on someone's day by simply, very, very simply clicking that share button. Now, as always, 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 I find three points that resonate with me on a super high level and i'm not going to change that this episode but as i was going through it it was just so tough to find these three but Ultimately, I think the first one comes down to the fact that Nicole, Dr. Nicole here, she took the road less traveled, although she did go the traditional path at first, but she realized she had the self-awareness to understand and realize that it wasn't for her. Her passion lied in a different direction, you know, and she wasn't scared to take it. Of course, she had the reality. And, you know, I think that's very important as well to point out. She was realistic to understand that, yes, it's going to be hard. If you have an idea, it's going to be hard. But would you rather be unhappy or would would you rather be challenged? I think that's what it comes down to. And she clearly embodied the one or the route that I would take. And I'm not judging anyone's direction here, whether you want to have that comfort in your life, that's up to you. Or maybe you're the type of person that wants to be challenged. You want to jump off the cliff and build a plane on the way down. Like I respect both viewpoints, but I just think it's so admirable the fact that she took the road less traveled um, and just... just... Just having the self-awareness to realize that the road that maybe is a little bit more traveled, you know, the traditional path just wasn't for her. So what I'm really getting at here, and I know this is a long rant on this one point is to just make sure that you're happy doing what you're doing. That's what it needs to come down to. Like, are you happy doing what you're doing? You need to ask yourself the questions. You need to get deep with yourself. You need to heal yourself in many different forms. And I guess that's going to bring me to point number two. I kind of jumped the gun here, but the importance of healing. Understanding that we have all been through things. All of us have unique experiences to our own selves, good and bad, right? And there may be childhood traumas that have come up in your life. Maybe there was stuff in your teenage years. Maybe it was when you were in college. Maybe you got bullied. Maybe you got picked on. Maybe you were a victim of racism, right? There's so much that goes on day to day, and we kind of just brush these things under the rug. If you're a man, maybe you were told to man up in a situation where you might have felt a little broken. Right. I can relate to that. It's the mask of masculinity. It is tough out there and I just want to encourage all to find ways to heal I can personally if you want to reach out to me I could put you in touch with my coach if you want to wait for Dr. Nicole to open up her program again in the fall of 2020 you could be on the lookout for that as she mentioned her hub is Instagram I'm sure she's going to make everyone aware when that's open again I just urge you to make sure you're healing because I would never want someone's future to be impacted by their past in a negative way of light seriously so I just wanted to share that sentiment and number three being self-aware enough to realize when you're in autopilot versus when you're not and as I mentioned in the beginning of this episode I find myself on autopilot quite often maybe it's just the fact that I'm a New Yorker and I move so damn quick half the time but a lot of things are just like snap of the finger snap of the finger snap of the finger I just know what's going down and it's my autopilot and I think when you're able to be self-aware of what goes down when you're on autopilot versus when you're actually making a conscious decision versus that autopilot you can drastically change your day and i just wanted to throw that out there i'm not saying to change every habit but try to become more self-aware of the difference between the two in your personal life whether that's personal whether that's in business whether that's in whatever you know and i just wanted to point that out so again The three points that I want to reiterate here, taking the road less traveled or the road that you feel is for you, what's making you happy. That's probably the way I should frame that. What is making you happy? What road is going to make you happy? And listen, sometimes you need to take the road to understand if it's going to make you happy or not. But I wanted to point that out, understanding that the importance of healing is so monumental. It's nothing to be ashamed of. We have all experienced things in our lives. Make sure that you're checking in with yourself and if you need help, if you need resources, by all means, please, please, please feel free to reach out to me. I am here. I am your beacon of light in this situation and in many. I want to help as many people as possible. So make sure you're reaching out to me if you need so. Um, and then lastly, being self-aware enough to realize when you're in autopilot versus when you are not. That is another big one. So again, I just want to thank everyone for tuning into this amazing episode. Thank you to Dr. Nicole for dropping a whole ton of value throughout this conversation. Make sure you're connecting with her. Make sure you're sharing this. Leave a rating and review if you have not. If you're tuned in from Apple, iTunes. That would mean the absolute world to us. We are still looking to change or make changes or, you know, just adjust in any way possible to bring you and deliver value to your ears every single day. So until next time, everyone be blessed. Peace.